0: Come sometimes i read kingdom of god and other times i read kingdom of heaven you ever wondered is there a difference well i'm going to talk to you about the kingdom of god and how you figure into the kingdom of god so i'm calling this you and the kingdom of god father thank you for your word tonight and lord we just thank you we lift our hands and just thank jesus for helping us in such a mighty and a powerful way thank you lord for all that you're doing and your provision. Now Lord, open the bread of life to us and feed our souls in Jesus name. Amen. And one last thing, you can be seated one last thing. Uh if I have time at the end of this, I'm going to take a few questions. So if you have a Bible question you've been wanting to ask, be thinking about it because if I end on time with enough time, then I'm going to uh take a few questions. And that takes courage, you do know that. I have no idea what you're going to ask me, right? Now, you and the kingdom of God. I want to read to you uh, something Jesus said about the kingdom of God we all recognize. Matthew 6:33. Jesus said, but seek first, what everybody? The kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Now notice. When we think about Christianity and we think about walking with the Lord, we think about seeking the Lord, don't we? Uh, We're told all through the Bible, seek God, seek me, and if you seek me, you will find me, and, and so on and so forth. We're always encouraged to seek God. But notice that our Lord said, I want those of you following me to seek first the kingdom of God. Well, if he's telling me to seek it, then I need to know what it is. Now, if I were to ask you tonight, what's the kingdom of God? How many of you could answer me pretty quick? Well, here's what the kingdom of God is, all right? Or would we go, well, you know, you you must mean heaven. Well, that's part of it, but I'm going to show you tonight why the kingdom of God is so important, and we're going to spend just two Wednesday nights on this, but I I really believe it's going to help calibrate us and center us in the right lane have you ever wondered why did god leave the church on earth when he could easily rapture everybody that believes he could just take us have you ever wondered why did god leave you hanging around why you're left here especially to go through a lot of the stuff we go through have you ever wondered why has god left the church here because this isn't easy this world's nasty can i have an amen amen and, and and so why did he leave us here, all right? Let me bring some things out about the kingdom of God because that's why he left us here. Seek first. Make it your number one priority to seek something called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the top theme of the New Testament. Did you know that? The kingdom of God is the top theme of the New Testament. The first sermon in the New Testament was from John the Baptist. Listen to what he said. First thing out of his mouth was repent. But why should we repent? He said because the kingdom of heaven has come near. There you go. And we're going to see in a little bit the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are synonymous. So when I read kingdom of heaven, it could also read kingdom of God repent why should i repent john because the kingdom of god or of heaven has come nearer. beginning of jesus ministry he preached exactly the same thing he said from then on it says from then on jesus began to preach repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near isn't it interesting john the baptist and jesus both began their preaching ministry with one key word repent and we never hear it anymore you gotta go to, You got to look for churches that will even say the word repent and call people to repent of anything. But here John the Baptist began with repent. Jesus began with repent. Simon Peter on the day of Pentecost, they said, what m- must we do to be saved? And he said, repent. That's a little aside. That's free. That's gravy. That's not my message. All right. And it ended, Jesus' ministry ended the same way after he had suffered he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs this is acts one verse three appearing to them during forty days and speaking about what everybody he was speaking about the kingdom of god well what does that mean jesus was speaking about the kingdom of god what in the world so he began his ministry saying repent because the kingdom of god has come near and he ended his last words on earth before he ascended uh, he was teaching on the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, again, is, it's the top theme of the New Testament. The top theme, the overriding theme of the New Testament preachers and teachers is the kingdom of God. Paul continued this emphasis. He says in Acts 19, verse 8, Then he entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months. This is Paul. Engaging a discussion and trying to persuade them about the things related to what? So what was he teaching everybody about? The kingdom of God. James said, listen, my dear brothers, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of what? The kingdom. That he's promised to those who love him. John spoke of it in the gospel, concluded the revelation with this emphasis. We're going to see this when we get into the book of Revelation in three Wednesdays. Here's what he wrote in Revelation 11, verse 15. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. The kingdom of who? Our Lord. The kingdom of this world has become now the kingdom of our Lord. So one day Jesus is going to be boss over this world. Now, and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. Oh, isn't that glorious? He won't be a Democrat, won't be a Republican, won't be a Libertarian, he won't be elected. Amen. He'll be appointed. Amen. Now look at Revelations 12, verse 10, one chapter later. The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. So notice. The kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah have now come. The kingdom of God was the central theme in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Listen to what he said. You all know this. Here's Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Because the kingdom of heaven or God is theirs. First thing, uh, first verse in Sermon on the Mount. Amen. And then, uh, we've already read it, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus taught about the kingdom of God in a lot of other places. Let me read some of them to you. Matthew twelve twenty eight. Uh, they said, you're, you're driving demons out by the power of Satan. And he said, if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you there it is again. Matthew 19, 24, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Matthew 13, 11, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven or God have been given for you to know, but it has not been given to them those outside. Mark 14, 25, I assure you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in a new way in the kingdom of God. Listen to all the times Jesus mentioned or expounded upon the kingdom of God. Many of his parables were all about the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like that. The kingdom of God or of heaven can be likened unto this, that, or the other. He was always teaching about the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought about this? Uh, Luke 4, 43, when the crowds tried to keep Jesus from going to other cities, they want to hang on to him. Don't go anywhere else. We like you, especially since we get free bread. He said to them, I must preach, what everybody? The kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Are you seeing a repeat here? What did Jesus go to the cities to preach and to teach on and expound upon? The kingdom of God. And yet, ask most Christians, what is it? And and they can't give you a straight answer. When he sent the 70 out, twice he told them to declare that the kingdom of God has come near you. Now, get this. He's got these 70 guys. They've been following him. He anoints them with the, the power to heal the sick and cast out devils. And he said, here's what I want your message to be. I want your message to be expounding upon the kingdom of God. And it's not just the New Testament where you find this. The kingdom of God is the central teaching of the Old Testament. Zechariah 14, 9. Let me give you a couple of examples. On that day, Yahweh will become king over all the earth. Yahweh alone and his name alone. Well, a king has a kingdom. And so that's what he's saying here. Yahweh will become king over all the earth in the future kingdom to come. Obadiah 121. Saviors will ascend Mount Zion to rule over the hill country of Esau, but the kingdom will be the Lord's. I love Daniel. Here's Daniel 7, verse 14. He, Messiah, was given authority to rule and glory and a kingdom. A what, everybody? A kingdom. Who's given a kingdom? Messiah. He goes on. So that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Kingdom. Everlasting dominion. His kingdom. Kingdom of God. Kingdom of heaven. Central theme of old, central theme of new, both covenants loaded, uh, um, infiltrated with messages on the kingdom. Now the phrase kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are interchangeable in the Bible. We need to get that first. That used to bug me. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll tell you, I used to teach this. I used to say, well, the kingdom of heaven is a place and the kingdom of God is a condition i was sort of right but i wasn't fully right because they're one and the same when you read kingdom of heaven or kingdom of god in the new testament they are interchangeable they're talking about the same thing and i'm going to tell you what it is in just a minute so hang on some of you are looking at me like, well just tell me what it is okay i'm going to tell you what it is all right so we only find the phrase this is very interesting The phrase kingdom of heaven is only found in Matthew's gospel. It's not in Mark, Luke, John, or anywhere else. It's only in Matthew's gospel. And it's quoted in Matthew's gospel 32 times. Thirty-two times. Where Matthew uses kingdom of heaven, Mark and Luke and John use kingdom of God. Give me an example. In Matthew, Jesus is quoted as saying this. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Remember that? All right. But Mark puts it this way. How shall we picture the kingdom of God? It's like a mustard seed. Luke puts it this way. So he, Jesus, was saying, what is the kingdom of God? It's like a mustard seed. For the record, here's why I believe this happened. Matthew's gospel was aimed at a Jewish audience. And you may be aware that the Jewish people considered the name of God so sacred, they wouldn't even write it down sometimes. And, um, or say it. Because they considered it too sacred to say or write. So you see in Hebrew writings, they don't write out the name Yahweh or God. All right? So, since Matthew was aiming his gospel at Jewish people, that may be why he didn't say God, but said heaven. But even so, the phrase refers to the same thing. We've got to get this down. Because when you read Jesus' parables, like saying Matthew, Matthew 13 and other places where he gives all kinds of parables. The kingdom of heaven is like this, that, or the other. You have to think he's talking about the kingdom of God he told us to seek. Okay? So what is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? What is it? Great question. First, let's talk about it. The kingdom of God, let's start real simple, has a king. The kingdom of God has a king. If we are citizens of the kingdom of God, then newsflash, Christ is the ruler of our lives. I've had people tell me through the years, you know, I was saved when I was a kid, but just recently I made Jesus Lord. No, you didn't. He was already Lord. The the minute you're saved, he's Lord. Hello. You can't get saved and him not be Lord right the minute you say come into my heart he's the boss applesauce from then on he's the king of the kingdom we're told to seek so when he says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness the kingdom of god is encapsulated in christ and he is certainly the righteousness of god so we're to by in seeking the kingdom of god we're to seek the king of the kingdom and to live in his kingdom and to spread his kingdom and I'll talk about that in a minute we are his subjects and submitted to his rule when we got saved, you and I we entered a spiritual monarchy okay, there's a king and he's over a kingdom and we are therefore subject to it we are citizens of that kingdom all right paul says in many of his writings colossians and elsewhere he says uh you are citizens of the kingdom of god so you and i both tonight have a dual citizenship we're citizens of america but we're also and thank god forevermore citizens of the kingdom of god we're told to seek all right and let me take it a step further His word contains the constitution of the kingdom of God. See, in America, we've got the constitution of the United States, and it's brilliant. Greatest political document ever drawn up. Hands down. But we have a constitution in the United States. But guess what? What does the constitution give us? Well, it it contains the philosophies that guided the founders. All men are created equal, so on and so forth. It's chock full of their worldview view and, and what they built our nation upon, the principles. And it also includes the rights of American citizens. And it's a precious document. Because of that document, you are free to come to church tonight. And I'm free to get up here and teach. Just look at what's happening in Ukraine. Look at Russia and look at how one man, a dictator is wreaking havoc on the entire world. When the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. But when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. Okay? Now, the kingdom of God also has a constitution. And what is it? It's the word of God. More specifically, this is my own conviction, but I think I'm probably right on this, and I, I would imagine most Bible-believing Uh, preachers and students of the word would agree that the Sermon on the Mount is the constitution of the kingdom of God in a nutshell. If you want to know how to live kingdom living, because we're not called to be a child of the kingdom and not live kingdom living. You can't get saved and keep both feet in the world. No, we're supposed to operate and function and move in and have our being in the kingdom to which We have been delivered. He took you out of the kingdom of darkness and delivered you into the kingdom of his dear son. So when you and I got saved, we got delivered from the kingdom of darkness. And we were placed in a brand new kingdom with a brand new king and a brand new constitution. And I believe when you read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 which I I cannot get enough of, and I've been a Christian a long time, and I've taught Sermon on the Mount, and I've memorized the whole Sermon on the Mount, but I feel like just now I'm just barely scratching the surface of some of it. And Jesus sat down and taught it ad lib. That just blows my mind. Who, Who wants to preach again if Jesus sat down and did that ad lib with not a note? There's no more profound teaching in the world, Sermon on the Mount. Okay? But it's the Constitution, in a nutshell, of the Kingdom of God. Uh, Jesus is our King, and born again children of God are the citizens of His kingdom. And, you know, I flew to Singapore once, and I've, I've been all over the world, but I remember as we were taxiing into Singapore, um, the flight attendants began handing us these little cards. And these little cards gave us, in a nutshell, the rules of the Singapore Kingdom. And it said, if you even spit gum on the sidewalk, you go going to jail. I said, that's not the Constitution of America. But you know what? When in Singapore, you better live like the Singaporeans. And you better do what their Constitution, what their laws say. You may say, well, I'm an American. It doesn't matter. If you're in Singapore, you've got to live like a Singaporean. Well, see, we're in the kingdom of God now. You can't say, well, I'm in the kingdom of God, but I like some things in the world too. No. You now are in a new kingdom. And as soon as you got saved, you were handed a card. And it's the word of God. And in a nutshell, the Sermon on the Mount. Read about it. It's all about forgiveness. Everything that has to do with life and living. Most Most matters that have to do with life and living are addressed in the Sermon on the Mount kingdom living jesus said in one place why do you call me lord lord and don't do what i say what's he saying there if you're in my kingdom and i'm your king then you should be submitted to me to my rule so whatever he says goes so he says forgive your enemy he said well i don't want to And Jesus says, I know you don't want to. If you wanted to, I wouldn't have to tell you to do it. Right? Never in my life, not once, have I wanted to forgive somebody that really wronged me. It didn't wash all over me like some Holy Ghost rush. No, I knew what Jesus told me to do. I had to do it. All right, so first, the kingdom of God has a king. Second, according to Jesus, the kingdom of God has already come. and it will come in its fullness when he returns to earth it's already come in the person of jesus himself the pharisees asked him one time when the kingdom of god would come now they're looking right at the king of the kingdom and they said when's the kingdom of god going to come they're looking at the king of the kingdom and jesus said the coming of the kingdom of god is not something that could be observed nor will people say Here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. And he might have added, looking at you. Right? What he was saying is the kingdom of God wasn't supposed to come with pomp and splendor like some earthly prince would arrive on the scene, nor in such a way as to be uh, discerned by the natural eye by people who were expecting him to arrive like a king, all right? He said, that's not the way it's going to show up. You remember how Jesus arrived, the king of the kingdom. How did he arrive on earth? In the humblest of circumstances, he was born in a little out-of-the-way town called Bethlehem on the other side of the tracks, behind a first-century holiday inn. There was no room for him there. They had to go out back and give birth on the ground with just the cows and cattle and other animals watching. I wouldn't think that the king of the kingdom would show up that way, but he did. But when he arrived, everybody, we got to get this tonight, God was in our midst. God was in our midst. The kingdom of God had come. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, how? In the, in, in the person of me. The kingdom of God is also found within the Lord's blood-bought children. You. That's why I call this you and the kingdom of God. Because not only does the kingdom of God arrive with Christ, but now he's handed the church the baton, and the kingdom of God comes through us. You're the lie of the world. You're the salt of the earth. It makes its way through God's people. Now listen, not by pomp and noise and spiritual fireworks, but by the manifestation of the evidence of the kingdom. And what is it? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, self-control. The kingdom of God is evidenced by the growth of the kingdom in you. Show me a changed life. The kingdom of God has come. Show me somebody bringing forth the fruit of the spirit. The kingdom of God is coming through them. I'm not saying you're God. You're not Messiah. I'm not God, and I'm so glad I'm not. He's the only one that can fill out the application, and I'm glad he gets it. I don't want that job. But guess what? I am a representative of the kingdom. I'm a kingdom rep. And, and, and how do I represent the kingdom? By force, by manipulation, by uh, 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 education, by, by being somehow outwardly impressive? No. I, I propagate and advance the kingdom of God by the kingdom of God growing in me, manifesting in me. The fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of the kingdom of God. Paul the Apostle said, the kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or drink, but it's of living a life of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You want to see the kingdom of God? Here's how you see it. You meet somebody that's walking with him, and you see righteousness, you see God's peace, and you see joy in the Holy Ghost, and you have just stumbled upon the kingdom of God. The manifestation of the kingdom of God. The evidence of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is found anywhere his will is done. How does the kingdom of God come when his will is done? Jesus said, pray this way. Thy kingdom come. How? Thy will be done. One leads to the other. If you're going to pray, thy kingdom come, then he says, here's how it's going to come. When my will is done in your life. When my will is done in the earth. That's how the kingdom of God advances. So obedience to the will of God in the individual Christian and in the corporate body of the church is how his kingdom makes its way into the earth. You know, why are we here? Why are we here? Why are you here? Why am I here as a blood-bought, spirit-filled child of God? Why am I still left on this earth? Because once we encounter the kingdom of God by calling on the king of the kingdom and being adopted into the royal family, then I am called and you are called to advance that kingdom by obedience to him. When we pray, the kingdom of God is advanced. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right? All right. When we witness to others and lead others to Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is advanced. Yeah. The guy that came to me in juvenile home, I talked about him Sunday, straight-laced looking guy, Clark Kent looking guy. He has no idea what became of me from that one night when he led me to Christ. But he led me to Christ, and I encountered the king of the kingdom. And... Yeah with a lot of different, listen, it was a lot of struggles for me. Uh, A lot of things needed to be healed inside of me and still do. Not as much, thank God, but um, I've come a long way, baby, right? But um, God had to do a lot of things. But here's what did happen. When I prayed and Jesus came into my heart, the kingdom of God began in me. The evidence And it just kept on growing and growing. And then I began to share Jesus, and the kingdom of God was advanced. All of us are supposed to be influential and, I put it this way, infectious. Talk about a pandemic. Let's have a Christian pandemic. Let's get get something moving here, right? Uh, God wants all of us to be infectious in a good way for the kingdom of God. Well, you're the salt of the earth. What does salt make people do? It makes them thirsty. Right? We're supposed to be so filled with him that when people see it, they go, "You're making me thirsty." This peace you have in storms. This this foundation and this rock you have and these principles by which you're living. They're not what I was raised in in the world. No, because they're from another kingdom. Uh, When we feed the hungry, visit the sick, help the orphans, encourage the saints, and involve ourselves in good works done in his name, the kingdom of God is advanced. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus said. That they may see your what? Read it with me. Good works. And what will it cause them to do? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. Why? Because they see evidence of the kingdom. The calling of every Christian is to advance the kingdom of God through good works. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? I'm telling you right now. Is that you would advance the kingdom of God through good works. And it's not a, a, a complicated. You don't have to have some vision and some dream and be taken into heaven to meet Paul and Peter and James and John and have a little chat with Jesus. No, it's simple. It's simple. I was in prison and you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was desperate and you gave me hope. I was wounded on the side of the road and you bandaged me up. You helped me. And you did it in his name, not for your glory, but for his glory. And, and when you did that, you advanced the kingdom. It spreads. The Apostle Paul wrote that Christians should be ready for every good work. And then he said, to be care- we're to be careful to maintain good works. And then he said, we're to meet urgent needs through good works. That's Titus chapter three. Those three examples are from one chapter, Titus chapter three. We're kingdom people. Everybody say with me, I'm a kingdom person living in the kingdom of God. And I'm called, come on everybody, to spread the kingdom of God and shine the kingdom light of Jesus everywhere God plants me. it's not complicated there are no limits this is the third thing I'm going to close there are no limits geographically politically culturally or socially where the kingdom of God can't advance as a matter of fact it advances in the most unlikely places with me it was advancing in a juvenile home it advanced there wherever you let the light out it's going to advance The kingdom of God can go anywhere, anytime his people bring it there. Yeah. Jesus said this. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. The kingdom of God or heaven is like leaven. The kingdom of heaven, this is what he said. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a woman making some bread. She makes, uh, takes a measure of flour, mixes in the yeast or the leaven until it permeates how much of the dough? Every part of the dough so the kingdom of God within God's people the church is like leaven that when introduced to the world through good works expands and it grows and it influences the culture until it touches the culture everywhere not just behind church walls amen amen no, here's where we're supposed to get gassed up and then go out and let the light shine. This is, just a, this is just a filling station, right? We know looking back in history that the kingdom of God permeated much of the Roman Empire, which was wicked to the core, through the early church until finally an emperor named Constantine declare Christianity the national religion. Now, I'm not going to get Texas named Kingdom of Heaven or the United States. I'm, as a matter of fact, let me tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about Kingdom Now theology. Kingdom Now teaches That Christ can't come back until the church has permeated and transformed the entire world. Well, good luck with that. You're going to be waiting a long time. But that's what kingdom now theology says. And do you know how big kingdom theology is right now in some camps? It's huge. It's called, it's got another name, the seven mountain mandate. That's what it's called. There's whole books on it. The seven mountain mandate, which says we are to, to permeate, and transform every major social, cultural touch point that there is. And there's seven of them. Education, the arts, music, and so on and so forth. And when that is done, Jesus can come. But guess what? Until that's done, Jesus is is kept from returning. So you, you know what that does? That puts the whole pressure of him returning on you. Thank you, but I don't want that pressure. Can I tell you what the Bible really says? We'll see this in the book of Revelation when we go through it. It teaches that most of the world, most of the world, is going to be in open rebellion against God when Christ returns. Amen. Yeah. Jesus said, he took it this far, will the Son of Man find faith anywhere on the earth when I return? As it was in the days of Noah. That's what it will be like in the coming of the Son of Man. What I am teaching is the church is called to advance God's kingdom whenever and wherever we can until Christ returns. I'm advancing it right now. This is gonna go out over the radio. I guarantee you there's some lost people or backslidden people or whatever, they're gonna hear this on the radio and, and they're gonna to be touched and they're gonna be changed, and the kingdom's gonna be advanced. You're gonna go out here full of the word of God, and somewhere you're gonna leak. The kingdom of God. And it's going to change things. The kingdom of God is going to advance. It's not always going to be received. There's yes people and no people. And maybe so people. But you know what? Wherever somebody says yes, the kingdom just advanced. Now let me close. Here's what a kingdom enterprise looks like a genuine kingdom enterprise is where the power of God is evident. The presence of God is experienced and the purposes of God are fulfilled. And his kingdom is advanced. Amen? 1 Corinthians 1, let me read to you a verse in closing. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, Christ is the power of God. And he's the wisdom of God. And listen carefully to me. Any lifestyle you or I live outside of the kingdom of God is ultimately, I promise you, guarantee you, is going to disappoint and it's not going to make any sense in the long haul. Only walking with the king of the kingdom and under the rule of the king of the kingdom is what makes sense in life. And it's the only thing that won't disappoint. The only lifestyle choice that won't disappoint. Amen? Amen? Next week I'm going to finish this up because we need to understand. Now, I want you to say with me, I'm a kingdom influencer. Now, that's not puffing you up, but it's I know why I'm here. Let me tell you something. He who knows why will always lead he who only knows how. I know why. Because of the word of God. I know why. I do what I do. If I didn't understand my why, I probably wouldn't show up within a month. But I keep my why in front of me. Why am I doing what I do? Why? Because I'm advancing the kingdom. So are you. We're advancing it together we're about to advance it a whole lot more amen Amen? i think i have time to take a couple of questions if they're out there so let me ask you is anybody because we're gonna run a microphone to you and yeah you are gonna be mic'd you won't be on radio but i'm gonna try to answer questions so here's one way back there anybody else have a question okay it's gotta be a bible question Don't ask me about the economy. (laughs) Okay. So I think this is a Bible question, but I'm wondering if you have any advice of hearing God. Like, how do you hear God in prayer? How did you know Revelations was something that you wanted to speak about? Well, I can tell you how to hear God. The best way to hear God is the Word. If you want to hear Him out, out loud, read it out loud. Right? Seriously... The, the, the safest way to hear God is the Word of God. Now, He does speak to our hearts. But, well, you've always got to run it through the filter of that Word, though. Because one of the most deceptive things in you and me is our heart. Yeah. And it'll, it'll masquerade and, and, uh, as the Holy Spirit and counterfeit the Holy Spirit so convincingly that if you don't run through what you think you're hearing God say through the Word, you can get into big trouble. So when people say, I just really want to hear God, you got 66 books to hear God. Start there. Most of anything that I hear from God, I get from the Word. Now the Holy Spirit from time to time will nudge me to do something here or there or to uh, call somebody or, you know, check on them. Um, But the vast bulk of the guidance of my life comes from the Constitution, right? The Word of God. Uh, and so that's where he speaks to me mostly and to you as well. And um, I could say so much more on that because in, in some camps, it's all about what is God saying to you in the, by the Spirit, and that's okay they tend to neglect the Word of God, and they get real extreme with hearing God, and and you see them go off in a lot of um, unfortunate stuff. So God will talk to you mainly through the Word of God. Anyone else? Yes, sir? I've always had the uh, popular belief uh, in Daniel 7 that the uh, four beasts, the first one being the United States, second one being Russia, third being Germany, and then the last one being the Ten Horn Kingdom. Um, how far off am I on that? Pretty far off. Pretty. <laughs> yeah, because the context of Daniel. Now, let me give you a little here. Always remember this. Here's where people get into trouble. They pull one verse out of the Bible, and they build a doctrine around it. Okay, uh, Mark eleven twenty three whatever you say you're going to get okay if you, you say to this mountain be moved and it'll be moved therefore whatever you say you will get you, you pull that out of context and you build a doctrine around it that is unbalanced so here's the deal context 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 are the three golden rules of bible interpretation so i suggest this try 2020 reading Tell me the verse you're looking at. Read 20 verses before it and 20 verses after it. 20-20 reading. And you'll see clearly. Because a a lot of the time, people will say to me, well, here's what I believe. I say, well, where'd you get that? Well, this one verse. Well, what came before it? What's the context? Now, in answer to your question, it was a good question. Listen, there's nothing, there's not a bad question. But what the beast was, was the Babylonian Empire the Medo Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, and the Roman Empire. And it was all fulfilled bang, 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 just like Daniel said, over a few centuries of time. But the United States ain't there. Hate to say it. Yeah? Yeah, I just thought there was a parallel or something. No. It, no. It looks like Russia, is going out to Russia is Magog. There's no, I mean, I believe Russia is Magog. But that's another chapter in another book. Okay. But g- good. Anyone else? Ah, here we go. Okay. Um, why do you believe that God put the tree of good and evil in the garden? To give them a choice. God put the tree of good and evil because God made us, created us uh, to be able to make a choice. I believe that. Now... I've actually had people leave this church because I was not a Calvinist. Now, what's a Calvinist? I'm going to make it real simple. A Calvinist believes that because we are so fallen, we can't make a choice for God. Our natures are so depraved that unless God chooses us to be saved, we'll never be saved. So some are chosen to be saved, and some aren't. And a Calvinist lives with that. Sleeps fine, believing that. Okay? So um, that means we have no choice, no free will. There is no free will. We are totally subject to whatever God causes us to do. Well, that makes me a robot, and you a robot. We are, we are robotic then, because we... How, listen, I don't want somebody loving me because I made them. Right? I don't want somebody loving me because I made them love me. I, I, I decree you're going to love me, like it or not. And you, you're not going to love me, like it or not. No. So God gave, I believe, the tree of good and evil, because he gave Adam and Eve a choice as human beings, and they chose to eat of that tree and so hence the rest of the bible all right genesis three fifteen, uh you know the coming of of one who would bruise satan's head and all of that uh, but um it began with a choice and to this day whosoever will let him come well if i have no will how can i come unless you make me come to you and that's not a will it's not his will that any would perish but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth how many? all so to me I have a real struggle with that but I believe that's why he did and so people can, can choose Christ or reject Christ or else how can you possibly be judged for something God made you do does that make sense? so that's why I believe he did Anyone else? Going? Going? All right, one more. Here we go. She had to breathe deep and raise that hand. Look out, this is an SUM student. Look out. Oh, it's an SUM student. Oh, I'm in big trouble now. Yeah. Um, So does it say anything in the Bible about if we will know our loved ones when we go to heaven? And will we know if someone's missing? Now, did you ask me, will we know if our loved ones are in heaven, or will we recognize them? Will we recognize them, and also, will we know if someone is not, like if my father not accept, right? Okay, two questions, all right? Will I know my loved ones in heaven, and will I know if somebody didn't make it? Okay, first question. I believe we will know loved ones, because watch this. When the Mount of Transfiguration happened, here was Jesus... He's got Peter, James, and John, the inner three, on the mount with him. Suddenly, his clothing lights up like the sun. His face shines like the sun. And standing with him are Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law. Elijah representing the prophets. Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. And that's why Moses and Elijah were there. But now, Peter knew who they were. How do you know who they were? Okay, Now, he wasn't around when Moses and Elijah were, but somehow they were recognizable. When the rich man died and went into Hades, which is a waiting room, waiting for the great white throne judgment, and when the great white throne judgment comes after the millennium, after the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, the great white throne judgment comes. And the Bible says, Hades spews out the dead that are in it. What does that mean? That means people that rejected Christ are sent there to await their judgment. It's a terrible thought, but it's true. Now, while the rich man is in heaven, he can see, he can hear, he can feel. He, he, He is so thirsty, he's begging for water to be put on his tongue. And he's got a memory, because he says, my brothers are still there, and they don't know about this place. Let me return and just warn them. Then I'll, I'll come back. So in Hades, do you have a body? In hell, do you have a body? In heaven, do you have a body? Well, you've you got to have something if you're feeling pain. You've got to have sensory perception of some kind to feel thirst. So there must be a body. Likewise, the righteous. We have glorified bodies. But now, the rich man looked across a great chasm and he saw his departed servant Lazarus. And where was he? He was in Abraham's bosom. Because there's a good part of Hades, which now, by the way, is emptied out. When Christ rose from the dead, he took all those that died in faith and took them to glory. So the good part of Hades was emptied out. But the bad part of Hades, unfortunately, is quite full. Now, the rich man looked up and he recognized Lazarus, his servant. How did he do that? Because he was recognizable in the good part. So I have to believe we're going to recognize. Now, it'll be glorified bodies... Um, but I have to believe we'll recognize loved ones because the the Bible doesn't say we lose our shape or form. It's just a glorified body that can't get sick anymore, can't hurt anymore, no more cancer, no more COVID, no more heart disease, no more none of that, okay? But I believe we're recognizable. Yeah. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. With who? Those that have been raised from the grave we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds. Now, you won't be married. You won't have BFFs. Because everybody will be on the same level. Because when we see him, we will be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So we're going to be just like him. And we will know even as we have been known. And, you know, having you know, favorites and all that. That's a fleshly thing. In heaven, we'll love everybody the same because he loves everybody the same. Right? Does that answer the question? Okay. Was there a, huh? Oh, the second one? Oh, will we know? That's right. Will we know that somebody didn't make it? There's no more sorrow in heaven. So I have to believe either I can't experience sorrow. And so even if I know somebody didn't make it, it doesn't cause sorrow. Or it's kept from me. I don't know because it doesn't say. Um, But I do know this. No more weeping. No more pain. If I'm sitting up there knowing one of my loved ones didn't make it, I'm not full of joy. So I have to believe it's kept from me or it can't hurt me All right, let's stand together everybody isn't that good stuff I love Wednesday nights I love Wednesday nights amen father we just thank you for the blessing of God on the house of God bless our people as we go and Lord we thank you we are citizens of a brand new kingdom now help us to go out Lord and disperse that kingdom in Jesus name amen God bless you, we love you.